Hey, good morning. I don't think I'm on. Check one, two. Welcome, everybody. So glad to have you here. So good to be in the house of the Lord. If you want to make your way back to your seats, we're going to go ahead and get started today with our praise and worship, how we always start it. A couple quick things I just wanted to mention, things that are going on around here. Monday night, 7 o'clock is our Celebrate Recovery Anybody with a hang-up, hurt, or habit, a lot of people, they hear the word recovery. They automatically think of drugs, alcohol, and obviously if you're struggling with an issue like that, you're welcome. But sometimes we just need to recover from life, amen? It's like, you know, sometimes we just take shots in life that kind of uh, make us struggle a little bit, so... You know, it, it could be divorce, it could be death of a child, it, anything that, if you need a safe place to open up where you're not going to be judged, if you need a safe place where you can have fellowship and encouragement from other Christians, that's the place, Monday, 7 o'clock. Also, Wednesday, we have our Bible study, 7 o'clock. We are having it this week, so sorry about the miscommunication uh, last week, Um but this Wednesday, we are doing our Bible study. These guys have been studying a, uh, a subject, uh, the bait of Satan. It's been very powerful. So uh, Wednesday, 7 o'clock, um, down in our fellowship hall, um, meet right there. And then also, if you're interested, um, we have something going on Friday. So this is kind of turning in real time. I mean, I don't know how many people... I would assume most of you are aware about what happened around here on Sunday night. Anybody not aware? So there was a 15-year-old boy who was uh, shot and killed um, over by the Ambridge Bridge, kind of behind the library area. 
And, uh, you know, long story short, um, the, the, the suspect who did the murder ended up running to the apartment building across the street, which meant that there was SWAT teams and police and large crowds of people and everywhere all around the church. But, you know, whatever happens on our community, like it's our business. Amen. And so we decided, I, you know, I was just praying and I was saying, Lord, like how, how are we supposed, like what are we supposed to do here? Like how, what's our part in, in, in this? What's our part in bringing light and bringing healing to this situation? And all I knew how to do is just try to be present. So, you know, I, I just put a random blurb on Facebook that we were doing a Merchant Street outreach and a bunch of people were like, well, what is it? What is it? That, tell me what it is. I didn't really know. I didn't really know what we were doing. I just know that I wanted to go out and talk to people and be present in our community. So what we kind of decided we were going to do is we just got a couple cases of cold water and it was a hot day. And so we just loaded up a cart and we just started walking down Merchant Street and just figured we'd hand people bottles of water and we just talk to them, see how they were doing. The opportunity opened up to pray for people or share about the church or share the gospel. Just wanted to be around. And so we kind of walked all the way down and, you know, we're, there's three of us and we're all taking turns dragging this cart, you know, and it's full of water. I feel like my arm's getting like two inches longer because it's like, and, and, you know, and we just, and I was getting frustrated because we just weren't bumping into a lot of people. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe I missed it. I didn't know. And, and so we decided, well, we'll go out by the basketball courts. And it's Friday night. There should be a lot of kids out, right? And they're probably hot, so we're going to bring them water. We get up to the basketball courts. They're totally empty. There's one little boy with his dad. And we sat there and talked to them, and then we began to talk to people and find out that they're just scared to send their kids out. Either they're, the kids are scared to leave because of what happened, because they don't want to get caught up in any of the gang stuff or anything that's going on, or uh, the parents just won't let them out of the house because the parents are scared, you know. And how many of you know that, you know, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Amen. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And we just began talking. We just began talking to this guy, and, and, and we were talking amongst ourselves. And the, the three of us that, that were out there, me, Sean, and Glenn, we said, you know what? Why couldn't we go out to the basketball courts this coming Friday, take some music out there, take our grill out there, take a cooler of water out there, start knocking on doors, tell people, put it on social media and say, you know what, we're going to get a group of, of men, we're going to get a group of adults that are going to go out there and we're going to make sure that everybody's safe and we're going to have drinks and we're going to have food and we're not going to allow the fear of the devil to come and take over our streets. Like, where are we living at that like, that, that like, the, the kids that live here on a weekend don't feel safe to go and play, go to the basketball court. So, um, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out a day when we, can, uh, when we can meet together. I think tentatively we're talking about Tuesday at like, so we're talking about Tuesday at 6. Uh, we're going to kind of have a tentative planning meeting. So if you're interested, 
in coming and helping and just being present and being a part uh, of what we're going to do. I mean, we don't, you don't have to have any special skills here. This is just saying, look, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be present. And I know, I know what it is to, to experience that spirit of fear. Because I know that the, the week after Trey got shot in October of 2020, there was about half as many people here at church that were here before. But that's all it is. That's, that's fear. And we're not called to fear. And so we're not going to live in fear. So we're going to be out there and we're going to tell people, you know what? You can send your kids out. You can drop them off. We're gonna, it's going to be safe. We're going to be there. We're going to make sure that everybody's protected. And they can have fun and they can just be kids. Amen? Amen. So if you're interested in that, Sean, can you please stand up, please? If you guys are interested, go see this guy with the red shirt on, and he'll make sure that, uh, that, that you get in touch with him. And come out Tuesday at 6 o'clock. We'll be down in our fellowship hall if you'd like to volunteer and just kind of keep touching our social media and stuff. And, uh, and, and if you'd like to be there, if you can support it, if you'd like to provide food or drinks, or you want to come with us, by all means, the more the merrier. Amen. Let's take back our streets for Jesus, okay? All right, if you guys want to stand to your feet, let's praise him for who he is. Why don't, right now, let's just get into this moment. Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you so much, Lord, for this day. We thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives, Lord. Undeserved grace, amazing grace. Grace that's greater than we deserve. We thank you for your love that you have in our lives, Lord. We thank you for all the changed lives, the stories, the miracles that have happened here, Lord. And we thank you today that something great is going to happen, Lord. So, Lord, we just, we just allow you to just have your way, Lord. May, may the praises of our lips, may, may they just be a show of gratitude to you. Have your way here. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 I am free, I am free. Are we free? Are we free to sing to our Father? We are free to give Him praises. Let us give Him joy, let us give Him our praises and our blessings today. Let us not be weary in this, in this time. Let us open our mouths and sing and worship our Father. He is a great King, He is a great Father, He is a great healer, He is a great provider. He does all these things for us, can we worship Him?
in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new
wash me, wash me, wash me clean, wash me clean, Lord, bring that new one out of me. Oh. Uh-huh. 
Yes, we're free. Yes, we're free forever. Amen. When death was arrested and my life began, cause as that spirit was moved over the waters, spirit come move over us. maybe some people in here and there's just things that need breaking off our lives and I just feel like there's that potential for freedom right here in the air there's the ability if we just make that declaration we live for God he is stronger and he's mightier than any weapon than anything that's coming against us right now whether it's something in a relationship whether it's something in our finances whether it's something in our calling, whether it's something in our integrity, if it's a sin issue, no matter what it is, perfect love, it casts out fear. Perfect love, it casts out fear. Perfect love, casts out fear. Perfect love, I'm no longer, I'm no longer a slave. 
something, something that you have for them for a long time, Father. And all they got to do is just let go and let you do your work. So, Father, I pray, I pray that these people can lay down their burdens and lay down their struggles so that they can gain more of you and more of you today, Lord. And, Father, I put a special blessing out to the kids today as they get ready to learn your word. Fill them up with your joy and your love. And show these teachers the strength and give them the encouragement to pour out into these kids' life so they can feel your love and your reign. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. We're going to go ahead and we're going to take today's offering. If I could have our ushers come forward, please. We're going to go ahead and just stay in a spirit of worship. If you could bring the lights up, please. Thank you, sir. Do we have ushers today? Yes, we do. They're on their way. We know our, uh, you know, we know the, the, we've been taught here the principles of tithing, how the Bible talks about that's the one area where God says, test me in this. We know the principles of sowing and reaping, and you guys know what this church is all about and what we do here. So I would just ask you to just pray about what the Lord would have you give and just be faithful to that. Believing that God is your provider and that he will bless your giving and he'll use that to make an eternal impact um, here uh, around the community and even around the world. So uh, if you'd rather give electronically, they're going to put some stuff uh, up here. You can also scan the QR code on your bulletin that'll take you to a link. So I'm just going to pray over this offering. Dear Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for the vision that you've given this church. I thank you that we get to be your hands and feet. Lord, I thank you for all that you've given us, uh, the, the time, the treasure, and the talent. Lord, I thank you that we are blessed beyond measure, and we are blessed to be a blessing, Lord. So I just pray uh, that you would just bless this offering, that it would be used for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As the ushers begin to uh, make their way around, I'm just going to... Uh, bring Evan up, and we talked about sharing some testimonies about 
uh, the LA Dream Center missions trip. And so I'm going to have a couple of the guys up throughout the next couple weeks. So I'm just going to turn it over to Evan before today's message. And, of course, those who also went there on the trip, there were 10 of us. Um, so there's a lot of cool and great things we did, just practical, like, hands-on, like, in the trenches type stuff, you know, whether it was, like, waiting for someone to finish shooting up so that we can go and, like, give them some food and, like, share the gospel with them as they're just, like, out there on the streets or any other things. But I think the biggest thing that I want to share for, like, my own personal, like, takeaway from that time is just that... Um, you know, I never remember Pastor Rick approaching and, you know, because we wanted to get involved, Chris and I, with stuff that had to do with maybe like missions and stuff in some type of way. And he wanted to do this trip. And so he was kind of like asking me to like help put it together and just kind of like, you know, just getting like the plane, like talking to the Dream Center and all that stuff. And that was really cool. But it was also like, I've never done anything like that before. Like, you know, to try to take like a, you know, decent group of people, like, across the entire country and for that to like work out and to be good and to be smooth. And so that was like a lot of growing, a lot of stretching and stuff for me, you know, just like, okay, so like I really have to trust and believe that like, you know, that like through, through us all just like praying and surrendering and yielding that, you know, God's going to be in this. He wants us to do this and then he's going to provide the funding. He's going to provide the smooth sailing there and back and he's going to be with us, you know, and it's just, it was like a new level of, of just like growing and trusting and faith because, you know, it says we go from strength to strength, you know, um, faith to faith, like glory to glory. And so that was just a big thing for me and just really just learning. And there were a lot of times where like I, you know, it was very stressful, like before we left or things where it, I was very tempted to like think or question like, okay, God, like, are you in this? Because, you know, sometimes when life is hitting us and there's stuff we believe in, stuff that's going on, you know, it's like we can feel that squeeze, you know. But it's just like we're singing, you know, there's crushing and there's pressing, but there's new wine. And, you know, and it's just like God just really blew me away because like from from the moment of us like getting together and carpooling to go to the airport until like us getting back, just God was with us. God was in us. He kept us safe. Like he he raised all the funds that we needed to get there. He kept us intact. He kept us in good spirits. You know, we had a good sense of unity and love and we were there for each other. You know, we were there serving each other as well as the people in the community. And so for me, this is more of a testimony of, like, each one of you, you know, God has stuff that he's speaking that he's working in each one of your lives. And, you know, you might feel that squirming. You might feel that stuff of, like, is he going to be there? Is he going to, you know, is he going to back up what he's called me to, what I know that God is saying? And you know what? If God has called you to something, he is going to back you up. He is going to be there for you. And you do not have to doubt him. He is faithful. He is always faithful. He loves us. He gives us everything we need to be successful as a son and as a daughter. And that's just what I want to share. So if there's any of you guys, like maybe you're like in between things or you're feeling like there's a new place God's calling you to, he, if he's calling you to that, he's going to back you up. He is not going to abandon you. He is not going to forsake you. And he has, a, he has a mission for your life. He has a mission for your life. And so to grab a hold of what that is and just run with it, He's going to be there every step of the way. So that's all I wanted to share. I love you guys. Thank you. Awesome.
Thank you so much. If you have your Bibles with you, open them up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where we are going to begin today. Uh, we're also going to be in Luke chapter 16, but we're going to start at 2 Corinthians 5. My message today is living with an eternal perspective. Living with an eternal perspective. If you're there, say amen. A couple of you there will wait a second. I'll take a drink of water. And we'll get ready to go. The Word of God, 2 Corinthians 5, I'm reading from the New King James Version says, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened. Not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. For we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body, and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. If you could just bow your heads with me and we'll pray. Dear Lord, I just pray that you add a blessing to your word. I pray that this word would be a wake-up call. Lord, I pray that this word would help us to understand how we need to live our life. Lord, that we would find purpose and we would get on to your plan. So Lord, I pray that you would Make the people's hearts receptive. You would give them ears to hear. Lord, I pray you would anoint me to teach and preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So most of the people here would have never heard of the name Pastor Danny Alvarez. I've, I never got a chance to meet him either, but it's because of his vision and his heart that we have a men's transitional home as part of our ministry today. The former pastor of this church, a guy by the name of Chuck Laporte, was actually a crystal meth addict. And I'm not while he was pastoring, by the way. I guess I should get that part clear. <laughs> like, man, this church really is weird. No, I, no he, was a, he, he had grew up Catholic, uh, fell into drugs. Um, got on crystal meth, got strung out really bad. And then when it got to the point where his wife wouldn't let him back in, where uh, he burnt all the bridges with his family, people told him, they said, you need to go to this church and, and they have a, a Christian men's home there. 
and he was desperate, didn't have anywhere to go, and he went to this house, and it was in that house that he got saved, that God delivered him from uh, drugs, and that he got a call to the ministry, and God eventually called him out here. And he used to share his story, and he used to always talk about the men's home, the men's home, the men's home. And I was like, what in the world is that? Because there was nothing like that, you know, anywhere that was around here. And um, eventually he got called back um, to that same church when uh, his pastor, Danny Alvarez, died. And so I got to go there. I took my family to California, and we went and saw... Uh, their men's home and kind of caught the vision of it and the guy who was the first leader um, in that house was actually a product of that men's recovery home and when I went there it was originally um, it it was just you know it, it was just a pastor who was passionate about helping his community he wasn't trying to be on tv he wasn't trying to have a a, a billboard. He wasn't trying to get rich. He just wanted to help people get free. And it was originally started to help uh, Hispanic people who were coming out of gangs, mostly Hispanic uh, gang members who were strung out on heroin and and meth. And and they were were coming to this house and they were coming out of it. And when I was out there, I realized that like all the leaders, like all their ministry leaders had been basically saved through that program. And I was like, wow, you know, this is something that, that our community really needs. And so after uh, Pastor Danny Alvarez died, they called the, the men's home um, the Alvarez Center, the Danny Alvarez Center. And the reason that I'm bringing the story up is because, you know, this guy never really had a big church. Um, but there were people that would come all from all around, and, and they would spend, you know, a few months, a year going through their men's program, and then a lot of times they'd go back to where they were from. And literally hundreds, maybe even thousands of lives have been transformed through this kind of quiet ministry that's just right outside of Los Angeles, California. And I remember when they were telling me about the pastor's funeral, His church, and it's not a small church, it's not a huge church, but I I think it probably could seat, you know, three, four hundred people in the church. But when they did his funeral, his church wasn't big enough to contain all the people that that were coming to his funeral because he had touched so many lives. And so they had to find, like, the biggest church that was in that area, like, the, the Florence Avenue Foursquare Church, like a 5,000-seater, because there were people that just over the years of his ministry had, had been touched and, and had their lives transformed as Jesus showed his love through a humble servant named Danny Alvarez. And it always stuck with me because I, I, I saw all, you know, I heard about all the people coming out to, to talk about the way that, that, that he was used to help them and touch them and and, and when no one else was, was for them that, that, that he was. And, and it always stuck with me because I've always had questions about what would my funeral look like? What, what will people say about me at my funeral? What would people who attended church over the years, what would they have to say? What would people that 
are from, you know, outside the community. What would they say about me? Have you ever wondered, like, what your funeral would be like? Who would come there? What they would say? Who would speak? You know, and, and I know for some people, you're like, man, like, this is depressing. I don't want to think about my funeral. <laughs> and, and I know it can be kind of a morbid thought, but, you know, I hate to break it to you, but, you know, unless the rapture happens in your lifetime, like, 100 out of 100 people, you know, will end up, you know, will end up dying. And the Bible says that that uh, it, it asks the Lord in, in the book of Psalms, for the Lord to teach us to number our days so that we might become wise. The, the New Living Translation says it like this. It says, teach us to realize the brevity of our life so that we may grow in wisdom. And, you know, I, I want people to speak well of me of, at my funeral. I want people to say good things about me. I want people to say that, that I made a difference in this world, but... The truth is, is like, I'm not going to be able to hear it. You know, like, funerals really aren't for the dead. They're for the living. Because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And as much as I want people to, to speak good about me, and, and I want, you know, I, I want, you know, my, my kids and grandkids to speak, speak well of me, even more than that, I care about what God thinks about my life. The Bible says that all, somebody say all, all shall appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every single one of us will stand before God and give an account of what we did in our life, good or bad says what you have done in the body. In other words, when you are in this body, this body is temporary. It's your tent. It's your earth suit, your earthly tabernacle. But one day, this is going back to the earth, and your spirit and soul are going to go be with the Lord. And you're going to give an account. There's going to be a judgment made. What have you done with your time? What have you done with your treasure and, and your talent? What have you done with everything that, that has been given to you by God, because the Bible says that you will be judged and you will be rewarded accordingly. And a lot of people will say, well, you know, Jesus was judged, so I, I don't have a judgment. And if you're a Christian, it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If you're an unbeliever... You're not going to be present with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present in hell. It's an unpleasant thought, but this is for believers, that if we're going to be absent from the body, we're going to be present with the Lord. And unbelievers are going to have a different kind of judgment called the white throne judgment, where death and, uh, and hell are going to give up the dead, and they're going to be judged in degrees to the reward of punishment that they're going to receive in eternity. But believers are going to be, on the other hand, um, Christians, children of the Most High. We're going to be judged on what we did, how we lived our lives, and what God entrusted to us. And when you think of the, the judgment seat of Christ, if you've ever saw like an award ceremony at the Olympics, 
and there's judges and, and people are standing on different platforms. I guess that's just how I envision it in my mind. And, and you know, the, the competitors in the race that some will win the gold medal, some will get the silver medal, and some will get the bronze medal. And of course, there's competitors that didn't receive any kind of medal. They didn't they didn't receive any kind of award. And um, 2 John verse 8 says, look to yourselves that you don't you lose the things that you work for, that you may receive a full reward. Now, if I read that right, and there is a full reward, then that means that there is also a partial reward. And that also means that there may be no reward. A judgment will be made by God. A decision will be made in the courts of heaven. How you lived your life, how you used the things that were entrusted to you, and based on that, you will receive or not receive eternal rewards. And there's no appeal process. That's not how it works in the courts of heaven. You don't get to travel the country and find a favorable court of appeals that can appeal your decision, once, once Jesus makes the decision, then that's the way it goes. And that's why we always tell you, like, this thing isn't just about you praying a prayer one time. That, that's just where you start. That's not where you end. That's just, that, that's, that's just where things begin. We don't just come up and, and say a prayer and say, okay, cool, I got my fire insurance. Now I can just go back to living my worldly life. The way I've always lived it, like when your heart gets full of Jesus and you get full of the Holy Ghost, your life should change and your perspective should be a little bit different and your plans and purposes should be different than they were once before. And it's, it's living this life, is, it's all about a lifestyle until Jesus calls me home that, that everything that I have been given, every opportunity, everything that, that he's given me should be used to glorify God and build his kingdom so that when we stand before him, we will receive a full reward. Are you ready for that day? Are you ready right now to stand before the Lord? If you're not, it's okay. You're still here. That's why God sent me to preach this message. I got good news for you. God woke you up this morning. He didn't have to. That means he's not done with you yet. That means you still have a plan and you still have a purpose. And your time isn't yet. But I want to talk to you all about how to prepare for that day. And we're going to look at a parable uh, from Jesus that is often misunderstood. It's called the parable of the unjust steward. Now remember... I, I taught you guys that parables, when you think of parable, think parallel. So two parallel lines kind of run side by side with each other. When Jesus tells a parable, it's a side by side principle that he starts with um, a, a principle and something that, that is in the world that the listener would commonly understand. They would be able to grasp and wrap their head around it, but laid next to it, is a spiritual principle about how the kingdom of God works. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And this parable is all about 
preparing for eternity, preparing for that day when we will stand in front of the Lord and give an account. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 16, verse 1. Talking about living for an eternal purpose. Luke 16, verse 1, referring to Jesus, says, He also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be a steward. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me in their houses. Um, the steward's question, what shall I do, right? That's, that's what this parable is all about. He, his stewardship is going to be ending. He's, it's going to be taken away. He's, he's going to, to, to be fired. And so he's going to go through a transition, through a change. And he realizes that he needs to prepare himself for that day when his, his stewardship ends. A, a steward is not a word that you, you hear much outside of church. Usually when people talk about stewardship, they're getting ready to build a building or do a campaign, right? That's when you hear the word stewardship a lot. So you don't hear it a, a lot or, um, outside of churches, but uh, essentially a steward is a person who manages assets for a much wealthier person. That's what a steward is. The steward doesn't own anything himself. He's just simply a manager to manage the resources of a wealthier person. And depending on how he manages it, he will receive compensation on how well he took care of his master's goods, on, on his or her ability to manage the, the, man, uh, the, the master's goods well. And one of the shifts that we need to make in our mind, if we're going to live for eternal purposes, is the thought that everything is yours. It's my money, it's my car, it's, it's my house, it's my things. I, I, I work hard of it. This is, you know, this is, this is mine. But the reality of it is, is that a steward doesn't own anything. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In the book of Job, Job says this, he said, naked I came in, naked I'm going out. You come in the world with nothing, you leave with nothing. In the middle, you're given a certain amount of things that you're going to manage for the glory of God, but you're not going to take any of that with you. You're not, you're, you're not going to get a U-Haul trailer and fill it up 
with your furniture and all your stuff from your house so that it can get buried in the cemetery with you. You came in with nothing, you're going out nothing, and in the middle, you're a steward of the resources that God entrusts in your hands. You know, people often will argue about tithing. You know, well, I don't know a tithing, you know, isn't that under the law? Isn't that under the old covenant? And, you know, we can make the argument, we could talk about it was before the law, but the re real reality of it is the New Testament church gave everything. They gave everything. It says they sold their goods, they sold everything they had, and they laid it at the apostles' feet. They shared everything, they had everything in common, and there was no one that was in that early church that had need for anything. So if you want to argue about old covenant, new covenant, the new covenant is it's all the Lord's. And there were two people that held stuff back, and they were Ananias and Sapphira, and we saw what happened to them, so... If you want to pile in with them, that's your choice. That'll be my next offering message for next week. Anyway, the, the steward sees himself losing his stewardship. He is no longer going to be the manager of those resources. So he needs to position himself for that change, for what is going to happen after that. Let's go to verse 5. Let's see how he does it. It says, he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. He said to another, how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the steward knows that his time is coming to an end, but it's not ending yet. He still has control of the stuff for a little bit. Remember, they're not his. He hasn't officially been fired. He hasn't been officially let go. So he still has the master's resources. And what he does is he goes to all the people that are underneath his master and he cuts deals with them so that when he gets fired from his, his job, that the other people will remember him and help him when he gets fired. I don't know about you, but if I had an employee like that, I wouldn't be a happy camper. But the master's response is a little surprising here. Verse 8, it says, the master commended the unjust steward because he's dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. So in that one verse, he's going to finish the parable, and then he's going to begin teaching the spiritual principles. Because I would have thought that the master would be angry and be like, look, that wasn't your place. Like, now I'm going to kill you. But, but the master commended him because he dealt shrewdly. In other words, this man was at least smart enough to see the transition coming and plan for it and be prepared for the day when his stewardship would end. And Jesus said that sons of this world, which are unbelievers, can be more shrewd than the children of God, which they call sons of light here, because this guy at least had a plan for when his stewardship ended, but most Christians 
don't have a plan for the day when their stewardship is going to end. They don't, they don't plan when their, when their life ends. They don't plan for their tra transition. They don't think about the day that they're going to stand in front of the Lord, in front of that, that Bema judgment, judgment seat. They, they just, they get saved and they just kind of, they, they just live their lives like kind of bouncing here and there. And if they feel like coming to church, they do. If they don't, they don't. If they feel like going on to outreach, they do. If they have a little extra, then, then, then they give. They just kind of, they just kind of bounce through life. And, and Jesus said that, that the sons of this world are, are, can be more shrewd than the people in the church. Because you've got worldly men that are planning all kind of things. They're, they're planning how to start businesses. And they're planning on how to become millionaires. And they're planning on how to take over other countries in the world. And they're doing it for evil purposes. But yet us who are supposed to be the light of the world, we're not planning for those days. We're not planning for that day when we're going to have to give an account in front of the Lord. We're just kind of bouncing back through life. And can I tell you, you need to live your life in a way that you're going to get a full reward in eternity because that reward in eternity is going to be far greater than anything that you will have in this very short life as we know it. And now Jesus is going to continue to break things down even further. Verse 9. I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, so that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. That is a key word because when you see that word everlasting, an everlasting home, that should uh, clue you in that what he's speaking about is he's speaking about eternity and eternal life and when he talks about mammon, he's talking about money, and the best use of your money is to use it to win people into the kingdom. Think about the years that if you've given and sowed money to this church, and that Sunday somebody says yes to Jesus, they raise their hand, they walk down the aisle, they say, they, they say the prayer... Guess what? Your giving has gained you an eternal friend. That, that's on your account. When you, when you support a mission and, and people go out and win the loss that is very far away from you, you may not have went out, but you used your money to, to send out and win the loss. Therefore, it goes to your account when you support an outreach and, and somebody gets saved or their lives get changed and, and, and your money helps, then it goes on your account in heaven. That's why it says, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by, by unrighteous mammon so that when you fail, when your life ends, they may receive you into an everlasting home. We're going to unpack that a little bit more, but, but, but let's just go through the rest of this. Verse 10 he who is faithful in least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, 
who will commit to you the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is not your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I was talking to Dan a little bit this morning, and, you know, think about the blessing that you have to be born in America, the wealth that is available here, the opportunities that you and I have here, and then you think of people in other parts of this world that literally do have to pray for their daily bread, that don't have clean water, that are malnourished because maybe they only have one kind of food, and I can't think that just for us being born in such a wealthy country, that we're not going to give an account of the wealth that passed through our hands and the wealth that we had when, when people all around the world are starving and dying from simple sicknesses and disease. Because the Bible says that, that who is faithful with, with, with much will be trusted with much. We've been trusted with much, church. You may not feel wealthy compared to some of the people in this country, but compared to people in this world. I, I, I spoke to a guy who was a, he was a translator in Iraq. He was born in Iraq, and, and he ended up serving with the American military. And, and because he was a translator, they had to get him out of the country. And he, he lives in our area now. And I said, well, do you like living in America? And he said, man, he said, I would rather be the poorest American in America than be the richest Iraqi living in Iraq. That's how good we have it. And, and people still complain. And here's the reality of it. All that you accumulate in this life will be taken away. Because it's all God's. It all comes from Him. It's all going back to Him. However, the rewards that you are given at the judgment seat of Christ will never be taken away. Because they're eternal. And it will be part of your eternal life. And be part of the life that you live when this life ends will be based on the rewards that you have received in heaven. I want you to receive a full reward. But how can we make sure? And really what it comes down to is you... You need to live your life according to a plan. Don't just allow life to kind of bounce you around. People of, uh, uh, people of this world that are successful live their lives according to plans. They have a date calendar. They, they plan their time. They, they focus. They have goals. They have things that, that, that they want to achieve. While Christians just drift around and they, they, really don't have, they really don't have plans to achieve great things for God. And the saying is that the road to somewhere leads to nowhere. If you don't have a plan for your life, somebody else will be happy to make a plan for your life. They'll be happy to get you to do whatever they want you to do for your whole life. But it's not what you're called to do. So you need to begin to live your life intentionally and live it with eternal purpose. And the beginning of every plan 
is to begin with the end in mind. That th this, this concept that, that everything is created twice. It's created first in your mind and then it's created in the world. So if I begin with the end in mind that one day I am going to stand before the Lord and give an account, then I need to plan on what I am going to give an account for. What was truly important in my life. You know, right now they're building a splash pad park, like, on the other end of town. And right now you can see it, it's starting to, to be constructed. They have materials, they have workers down there. But it started as a simple thought in someone's mind. Hey, it would be nice to have a, a water park in town for our kids in the neighborhood. Then it became a question of, well, how can we do it? Where would we do it? How will we fund it? And then things began to get into motion and, and teams were created and, and grants were submitted and people looked at plans and, and contractors showed up. And now in a month or two, after all this time, it will be done. And so our life can be lived in the exact same way where we begin with the end in mind and then we begin to reverse engineer our life to live it with God's purposes and God's plans in mind. Our end is we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account. And so if that's what's going to happen, you need to start off by just asking yourself just a few simple questions and maybe get on, getting on your knees and getting in your secret place and just beginning to ask God, God, how should I be living my life? How? What do you want me to do? Not what does my cousin want me to do? What do my parents think I should do? What does my wife think I should do? God, what, what do you want me to do? How, how, should I be, how should I be living my life? What would you have me do with the gifts and talents that, that have been put inside of me? What, how should I use them? Lord, what do you want me to do with the money and possessions that I have and that, that I will have? How can I make an eternal impact in the kingdom of God? So I think that it would make sense to take some time this week and, and carve out a block of time and, and get alone with God and, and get out a notebook and get out a piece of paper and, and just begin to to write those things down and, and just begin to ask God to give you revelation and just begin to think that if I could do anything for God, if I could stand in front of God and, and, and be, be proud of the accomplishment that I have, what would it be? And just allow your heart and your spirit to begin to see what, what no eye has seen and what no ear has heard because God will reveal it to you through His Spirit. And he'll communicate with you and just begin to make a plan for your life and, and begin to structure your life in a way that leads you to a place where you can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Go on to be your reward. Because the last thing that you want to happen is that you stand before God and you realize that you wasted your whole life doing a bunch of stuff that didn't matter. That you literally were going the wrong direction your whole life, accomplishing things that seemed great in the eyes of men, 
but did not matter in the kingdom of God. Paul says it like this. He says, all people run their race. Run it in a way that you receive the prize. Run it in a way like you're going to win the race, like you're the champion of the race. Don't just allow yourself to drift through life. Run as one who's going to win the prize. And, and, and I love the part where it talks about that your friends will receive you in an everlasting home. I, I, I don't know how all that works. I don't know if when we get to heaven, if there's going to be a whole receiving line, if there's going to be a whole crowd of people that are going to be up there waiting for us. But how amazing would it be that you get there and there's a whole crowd of people and there's the person that you shared Jesus with when they were sitting at the park and they had no one to talk to. Imagine that there's a person that was out in Los Angeles and you gave to a mission and, and a seed was sown and because that seed was sown into them they heard the gospel and they got saved and they're sitting there and you never met them before and they're waiting to cheer you on to heaven and all the people that, that, that you shared Jesus with that they're all there and they're waiting to, to welcome you to your heavenly home to say thank you for, for sharing Jesus with me. Now I'm here and, and now my family is here and my friends are here. And heaven has become a little bit more crowded because you structured your life in a way that you would win the prize. That's the way that I want to live. Amen. I want to run my race like I win the prize. Worship team, if you want to make your way up to the front. We want to make heaven crowd, crowded, amen? We want to make heaven crowded. I'm so thankful that people didn't give up on me. I'm so thankful that there were people that were praying for me, that, that were taking time. The people that started this church, the people that started this church, they were wealthy. They were wealthy. They didn't need to start a church. They could have just spent their time going on vacation they could have bought a yacht. But instead they said, you know what? We need to take what God has given us and we need to start a church. And they started a church and they started a home group. And then they combined it with a church that met in Janet's garage. And then New Hope Church was formed. And because people went and, and gave and took their time and, and set up chairs and, and had a kids ministry before I was anywhere on the radar or most of us were, were anywhere around. There were people that were serving and giving and giving their time and their treasure and their talent so that there could be a church here. And this church could impact the community around us. I want to make heaven crowded. I, I, I want to I, I be the lighthouse on the hill. I want to make a change in our community. I want to show our kids that there's a better way. I want to show the community that there's a better way. I want to see families be strengthened. I want to see drug addicts set free. I want to see 
kids not worried about getting shot in a basketball court. I want them to grow up and be servants of God. And, and I want to be able to send people to go overseas. And I want to, people, I want to see people being set free from, from human trafficking and labor trafficking and sex trafficking. I want to see all that. And I believe that that's what we're called to do. And when we come together in unity and say that, you know what, this life is not about me anymore. It's about Jesus. And I don't really care about who gets credit because it's all about Jesus. Amen? When we do that, we'll see the mountains move. We'll see the things change in life. I want to give you that opportunity. If you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, I... I, I don't know where everybody's at here with Jesus, if you've ever been saved. Jesus said that there's many mansions in my Father's house. He said that He's going and He's preparing a place for you. And it says that He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but by Him. There's a gap that we could never cross. But Jesus crossed that gap. He, he, he died. He lived the life that we could never live. A perfect sinless life. He died the death that we should have died. Took the punishment upon himself. Dying in our place for our sins. But we have to accept that gift. You have to have a time. You have to have a place where you say yes. I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm tired of doing things on my own. I want to lay it down. I want to pick up that resurrection life. And I want to look forward to that day when, when this tent fails, that I'm going to be with Jesus. That this body may be getting older, but the inward man is renewing day by day. And a day's coming where I'm going to receive a glorified body that's not going to die, that's not going to get sick. It's not going to be aches and pains. You're not going to hear people getting up out of chairs, screaming when they get to heaven. You know, like, Aah! no, you're going to feel good. You're going to feel good, amen? Because you're going to be in your glorified body. That's going to be, that, that's part of what we have not yet received. But what a glorious time that will be. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never made Jesus Christ or Lord and Savior. Today I want to give you that opportunity. And to do that, I just want you to take a, your first step of faith. I just want you to stick a hand up and say, today I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If you've never done that before, you can do it today. Just stick a hand right up in the air today. Anybody here? Anybody here? Amen. Amen. If you guys want to stand to your feet, we're going to close in praise and worship. So, nobody raised their hands, which isn't a bad thing. It just means that we're all saved. Amen? We're all, we're all going to heaven. But I want to make heaven crowded. So I want to challenge each and every one of you in the next coming week. Invite somebody to service. Don't, don't get scared. 
Don't be scared and be like, man, if I, they're not going to come to church. You don't know what's in somebody's heart. The greatest prayer that they had for me in a, in, a, in a Bible study small group is that the greatest miracle would be if one day I would be an usher in the church. They thought that if I would ever become an usher, that that would be a miracle. And look at God. You don't know. That person that you think would never come to church, they may be the next preacher in another church. Don't ever count anybody out. Let's make heaven crowded. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, help us to keep our focus. Lord, we repent when we got off track. And maybe we haven't been living life as intentional as you wanted us to do. Maybe there's things that we're called to do, but for one reason or another, they just, they seem too crazy and wild. And, and, and we, we allowed ourselves to get, get, get talked out of it. Lord, give us another chance. Give us another chance because I, I think that there's a spirit rising, that, 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 there's a, that there's a new shot in the arm of adrenaline that, that has been injected in this church, in this Christian community. And I believe that things that seemed hard and impossible aren't going to seem impossible anymore. That, that things seem like we wouldn't be able to do it. Like they are going to happen. Like that breakthrough is going to happen. And we're going to see things happen just like this. Amen, Lord. Raise up leaders. Raise up prophets. Raise up apostles. Raise up evangelists. Raise up the youth leaders. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up, Lord. Build your church. Build your church. Build your church. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we have power to trample on snakes and scorpions. And overall, power here. The devil can't have our streets. Can't have our kids. We're taking back our streets for Jesus. We're taking back our communities for Jesus. We're taking back our schools for Jesus. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen.
rising up. You know, I made a declaration right after everything happened with Trey that there wasn't going to be a demon in hell that was going to keep me off of those streets. I don't need to walk around with a bodyguard. I, I'm not going to be scared. My, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen? And that's, that's why we need to unite around this thing. We need to say no. We declare that this is God's city. This is God's city. We just declare in the name of Jesus that this community, Ambridge, is God's city. We pray that it's under the blood of Jesus. We rebuke that foul spirit of death. We rebuke that spirit of poverty and addiction. And any other demonic stronghold that is trying to take root in this community. We curse you and we break that spirit in the name of Jesus. We bind you and we loose ministering spirits in this community. We're going to be out there. We just lift our hands to heaven. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his shine, face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Until we meet again, I send you out with the authority of Jesus Christ to trample on every snake, every scorpion, over all powers of the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go out and give them heaven. Tuesday night, if 
If you want to be involved in the outreach, is 6 o'clock, down in the fellowship hall. Is a light that the shadows can't
Happy birthday to you. 